0: The Real Food Reel is proudly sponsored by Melrose Health. Founded in 1979, Melrose Health has been delivering improved health over three decades by developing natural, delicious and innovative health foods from the best natural and organic ingredients. Their Healthy Kitchen Oils range has just launched and includes my favourites, liquid coconut oil, grass-fed ghee and avocado oil. Visit melrosehealth.com.au or check out at Melrose Health on Instagram to learn more. Welcome to The Real Food Real. I'm Steph Lowe, the natural nutritionist. We're shaking things up on the podcast and each week I am joined by our cast of experts, including Kirsty Wirth, Phil Maffetone, Kale Brock, Allie McLean, Katie Pettuccini, and so many more leaders in the fields of real food, gut health, sports performance, holistic wellness, and optimizing your health, metabolism, and longevity. While you're tuning in to today's episode, would you take a screenshot of your smartphone and share it on social media with the hashtag RealFoodReal? I'd absolutely love to know that you're tuning in. And while you're there, why not share this episode with a friend who also needs to hear our information goldmines and aha moments. Sharing the show means we can continue our mission of simplifying nutrition and showing the world that health starts with what you choose to put on your plate. Without further ado, let's dive into this week's episode of The Real Food Reel. In today's episode of The Real Food Reel, we are joined by our regular guest, Kale Brock, to discuss his latest short documentary, Australia's Childhood Health Crisis. Kale and I explore the inspiration behind this project, the shocking statistics that exist in regards to the health conditions we see in Australian children, and what we can do about the fact that as it stands, 99% of Australian children are not eating enough vegetables. Hi, Kayle and welcome back to the show.
1: Hey, Steph, thanks for having me from Torquay.
0: <laughs> yeah, we often get you when you're out on the road.
1: <laughs> so funny, isn't it? Last time, well, not the last time, but one of the last times we spoke, I was what in a cafe in France, and now I'm in a little cafe in Torquay. <laughs> yes.
0: a bit more local this time, but still,
1: yes, um,
0: on your on your travels. So, yes. For those tuning in, there will be a little bit of background noise, but I'm sure you can still hear us loud and clear. So I wanted to get you um, on today to share your new documentary. It's obviously a project that's really close to your heart and it's all about Australia's childhood health crisis. So tell us more about what inspired you to create this project and we'll go from there.
1: I think going... That far to look at what sort of inspired me, it was always sort of looking at my nephew and, and seeing him start to grow up and seeing the wonderful opportunities that he's going to get from being in such a good state of health and then realising that the majority of Australian kids do not get that sort of experience. I mean, we have 50% of children under the age of 15 experiencing a chronic health condition. And I think those sort of statistics across the board um, reflect a marked lack of awareness and education and probably action on those uh, responsible for dictating policy surrounding this area. Um, so I think that we, th- my whole intention with it was to try and tell more people about it and for want of a better word, to complain about it because <laughs> it's not acceptable it's not acceptable at all, so that was really where it came from, and there's always been a big discontent within me with um, what our governing powers sort of do and or or <laughs> the lack of action they bring to the table when it comes to our health and wellness as a population. So I'm just getting a little bit tired of the fact that it's only the people in the health space who are who are healthy. And then it's like, well, you know, the rest of the population are just left to the dredges. It's unfair and I think we need to change it. So that was really where it came from. And we obviously, I had so many mums coming up to me at different talks and all these things saying, hey, can you do something on kids' health? Can you do something on kids, for kids, for kids, for kids? And it kept coming up and I was like, man, I can't dodge this anymore. I'd always sort of tiptoed around it and been like, hmm, how do I deal with kids? It's such a sensitive issue. I mean, we saw what happened with Helen and Pete when they brought out Bubba Yum Yum and there was mm. one recipe with the bone broth and all this sort of stuff. So I was always a little bit tentative, but then <clears throat> with the arrival of Bodie, my little nephew, and who you saw in the film, um, it was I thought it was time to really sort of step into it. and I did it in my own way, in a, in a creative way that didn't, I think, sort of breach any big boundaries or anything like that but obviously the report itself was separate to mandy and yeah i thought it i thought it hit the mark i thought it hit where it needed to hit and sort of got people talking
0: yeah absolutely and obviously it's a short documentary so it's a great place to start for those that i guess firstly aren't aware of the appalling statistics in australia around vegetable consumption you know we know it's 99% mm. of australian children that aren't eating enough and that in itself is off these pretty appalling um government standards anyway so you know it's obviously a pretty low benchmark but we're not even hitting <laughs> that so it's tragic really
1: it is and we could talk about the fact that we have increased use of antibiotics we have an increased presence of um agrochemicals and household chemicals and medications and all these different things but if we can just start with vegetables and say well hey maybe these statistics have something to do with the fact that 99 percent of children are not eating enough vegetables maybe if we start there and get kids actually interested in these foods that we know are extremely health promoting and and can play a big role in preventing the sort of illnesses that we're, the sorts of illnesses that we're seeing. Maybe if we just start there and get kids eating vegetables, then we'll eradicate twenty percent of the diseases, or <clears throat> or twenty five percent of them, or whatever. Just at least it gives us a starting point to really attack this, or not attack it because that's not the right word, but approach this um, from a proactive, prophylactic standpoint. We need to start thinking about prevention, and we need to start thinking about the reversal of these worrying stats afflicting our kids because we can't allow our children to go through school and reach adulthood with subpar opportunities because their nutrition is suboptimal. I think it's extremely unfair. So um, yeah, I mean vegetables clearly I think are the best place to start. That that particular report came out of the Australian Institute of Uh, health and welfare Uh, a couple of months ago, a few months ago, and um, it sort of sunk, you know. It didn't really sort of play around in the media a little bit and then it went away. My only sort of conclusion with that is the politicians, the media, they don't care. Nobody cares. when When I went and talked about this stuff and when I've been talking about this stuff, you see there's a general lack of awareness about what is actually going on. When you talk about these statistics, I mean, one in 63 kids with autism, uh, one in 10 boys with ADHD, one in 20 girls, uh, one in five girls aged 16 to 17 with major depression, 5% of whom have attempted suicide. When you start talking about that stuff, people actually start listening and feeling shocked Mm -hmm. as they should because it's it's a horrible, these are horrible statistics we're talking about and I wish they weren't true, but they are. So we need to start talking about it. We need to start complaining about it. We need to start acting on it. And that's where I hope I've been trying to sort of lead people over the past couple of months is to start complaining a little bit, to stop being so polite and to write some letters and to get angry because that's the only way we're going to get change.
0: Yeah, it's certainly a way to, I guess, make this issue a conversation, you know, not just something that comes up and gets swept under the rug. You know, I also think it's a great easy place to start or maybe simple but not easy what I'm trying to say is that you know what I see in the health space is that people are largely quite overwhelmed and they tend to get into that analysis paralysis state where they don't know where to start they don't know how to fix the issue or to improve the health of their family because they're trying to build Rome in a day and you know that first goal of starting to eat more vegetables Everybody can achieve that. You know, nobody needs a degree in nutrition to actually start to increase the number of vegetables you're consuming and that you're feeding your children. So it is like it's obviously quite top line but I think it's beautiful because it's something everybody in the West can achieve.
1: Yeah, and like you said, it's, it's a beautiful starting point to get things rolling. We know the power of incremental changes. When someone changes something like vegetable consumption, they feel better. Um, and then that's when they start to get a little bit more energy and a little bit more momentum in terms of helping the family out and, uh, maybe take going to do some exercise and all these other factors of health that tend to get swept to the side when we're just feeling like shit really. So if we can start with veggies, as you say, I think we're, we're almost halfway there. I mean, as we know, getting started is is half the battle. Mm. So if people can do that and simplify it and say, hey, well, how can I increase my vegetable consumption? How can I get the kids involved? Then we've really already taken steps. And again, as you know, as I said in the the short report, we're not going to get changed from the top down. You know, the government's not going to come on board here and go... Hey, we're gonna start um, giving you food tokens for broccoli and incentivizing healthy people. Uh, it's just not a thing, and they're not interested in it. Unfortunately, they're not there yet. I mean, <laughs> I mean, you only have to watch the report to see how far away from that that they are. Um, so we really have to come on board with this, and we have to be the drivers of change. And when you educate specifically when you educate mums normally because they have the buying power in the home, when you educate mums and you educate families and you educate uh, communities and cities and towns and states and countries and then the world. You know, we really have to start this as a grassroots movement and despite all the accomplishments of the health space and what we're doing and everything that's been going on, there's still so much more work to do. You realise that when these sort of stats come out. I mean, 99% of kids not eating enough vegetables, it's crazy.
0: Oh, yeah. It's just not good enough. So, yeah, I totally agree and I absolutely loved the segment in the documentary where you were speaking. I believe it was, um, well, actually, you tell us. Who were you (laughs) speaking to? And I think they were, like, higher up in the NSW.
1: Yeah. It was the Director of New South Wales Population Health, Dr. Joia Mitchell. Yeah, Yeah. and I guess the bit that everyone has been talking about and everyone's been laughing about is the the part where I was sort of asking a question and saying there's a lot more going on than just kids being overweight. We know that 25% of kids are overweight or obese, but there's actually a lot more going on. We've got behavioral disorders. We've got immune system challenges. You know, it's not just an overweight issue. But that's all Joe wanted to talk about. And then it went to calories in, calories out. And I was like, well, that's oversimplifying. Can we have a look at what sort of food? Maybe the um, canteens need to come on board with this sort of stuff and start to actually eliminate, not just limit, but eliminate processed foods. And uh that was when Joe sort of went on to say that well some of these occasional foods based on the Australian child uh sorry, the Australian Guide to Healthy Eating, which as Joe <laughs> which Joe mentioned is based on sound science, um uh, are actually not that bad for you. So, we've got things like flavoured milk, for instance. Although it contains some sugar, it still has protein and calcium, which is very good for kids. And it's like, well, you know, flavoured milk has up to sometimes 11 to 14 teaspoons of added sugar. I mean, how do you justify the consumption of that for the tiny bit of calcium and protein you're going to get? You're better off having some sardines or some spinach or some almonds or some tahini. As, as you said yesterday, it's just, it doesn't warrant consuming 14 teaspoons of sugar to get that tiny little bit of calcium protein. And then we have kids going back into the classroom and they're all hyped up. Their digestion's are right because they're having all this horrible pasteurized, homogenized, puss dairy with all the sugar in it and then they're acting crazy and then they get diagnosed and then they put on, get put on stimulant medications. We have 125,000 kids on stimulant medications here in Australia. I wonder, I truly wonder how many of them authentically have a non-nutrition-linked condition. When we talk about ADHD or or behavioral disorders, what are they eating? How often do we hear GPs or psychiatrists or psychologists asking what are these kids eating? What are they going to get at lunch and recess and how might that be affecting their behavior when they get back into the classroom? It's It's just basic stuff. I mean, we know. We know so intimately that the gut and the brain and what we eat has a massive impact on our behaviour, on our mental capacity and our mental health. We know this. We, even the CSIRO have been talking about this. So it's, it's within the government realm and yet it's not being translated into a, it's not being applied on a practical scale. When are they going to actually overcome this stagnation that's going on? I mean, we tried to talk to Greg Hunt about this. We called him about seven times. He's the Federal Minister for Health and uh, no response. Too busy. And it's like, well, when are you not going to be busy? Clearly, you're not productive. You might be busy, but you're not being productive, clearly. We've got a very sick population. So, again, this leads me back to the point of going, well, hey, when, when have the government achieved anything notable, really, since, since banning guns? I can't remember them achieving anything besides increasing taxes and introducing GSE. So it's going to come down to us it really does come back to us going, okay, let's get educated. And sometimes education means reading a book. Sometimes education means going on YouTube. <laughs> you know, there is, there is good information out there and you'll be able to sift through it eventually. If we work within the realms of whole foods and a fundamental basis of a whole food approach and then find our own specific personal path through that, then we're going to win. It just takes a little bit of time. But we need to take back control of our health.
2: Yeah. So tell
0: me more about who you wanted to speak to, like some of the A-lists that perhaps didn't answer and and why. And then, um, yeah, I guess who you ended up speaking to on your journey to making this short documentary.
1: Yeah, it's always funny. And, I mean, trying to organise a report is or a film okay. or whatever is, Ah, uh, you know it's not that fun to be honest. <laughs> and if I had a production, aid, a production team, it would be a lot better. I've sort of, I think I'm mean like a hangover from the gut movie. Like I sort of okay. thought, like oh, it's going to be this easy from now on, like it's filling up cinemas and da 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 da. And now it's just like back to the start line. You've got to start again with a new project. So mm-hmm. it's sort of a little bit frustrating. But we obviously got you involved and demo, and I um, searched for some psychologists who were sort of holistic in nature and found a, a beautiful lady called um cc yaya
2: dr cc yaya
1: down in uh, bondi who chatted to us about her approach and Unfortunately, we weren't able to go like deep into her approach because it sort of became a little bit um, irrelevant to the story. But she uses a lot of mindfulness and meditation approaches with um, ADHD children and creative outlets like art therapy and all these different things. It was beautiful. So hopefully we get to chat with her more. But, you know, the whole process is trying to find people who are authorities on this topic and um, perhaps responsible for, Or, you know, have some sort of contribution that they could play in solving the problem and that's why we wanted to go for Greg Hunt, who is the Australian Federal Minister for Health and his media team were largely unresponsive, (laughs) no calls back, no emails back. Um, And then we went to the New South Wales Minister for Health, didn't have time, and then we landed on the New South Wales Director of Population Health which I'm not sure what the difference is between, you know, there's too many government positions, we know this, they need to spend their money somehow. And, um, yeah, that that turned out to be a rather entertaining interview and also quite enlightening because I thought, hey, someone who's in charge of this, someone with this sort of position, like being the Director of New South Wales Population Health, surely they're sort of on top of this. But you hear those sort of statements like, you know, flavoured milk might not be that bad, a little bit of calcium, a little bit of protein does a body good it's like it's like come on how far behind are you this is this is 15 years out of date when when are you going to actually when is this going to become mainstream and i was talking with peter Bruckner at the event yesterday the living Low like Card event with you and um he said look we get a great response from gps when we talk about this low like hard stuff but it's the specialists and it's the so I just let that truck pass. It's the specialists and it's the um, people in government positions who are the least receptive, because hearing an alternative to their current approach means responsibility. It's like it means change, and people are afraid of change, and people don't like challenging the status quo. And it's so odd that that's still so pervasive amongst this new age. I mean. You know you know very well the Dietetics Association of, Association of Australia has only just cut ties with their uh, sponsorship arrangements with um, big food and yet those sort of thought trains are still perpetuated amongst industry and amongst government and amongst certain nutritional bodies. So, I don't know, trying to find people who are open and find people who are who are passionate enough to talk about this stuff and such a sensitive topic was um, a little bit hard, a little bit difficult, but we got there in the end and it was a busy month and we got it out there. And, yeah, like I said earlier, I think it hit the mark where it needed to hit.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, we don't need a food pyramid or government guidelines for us to change. So it's sad that we're still having these um, government officials, you know, educating us or trying to educate australia on very old science and they haven't taken the time to re-educate themselves but we don't have to wait for the policies to change we don't have to wait for the government to deliver a different food pyramid and i think that's where you know it's good in the nutrition space that there are other people that you can seek advice from if you need that support to help you know change the way you and your family eats But you don't need need to wait. It's something you can do straight away. And I think that's a really powerful thing to remember because we don't have to wait for the government to change. It's not, unfortunately, like Australia is not like Sweden, unfortunately, where they are very progressive and change their food pyramid and start talking about low carb at a national level. But hopefully we will one day.
1: Yeah, and I think it's a long way off um, still because there's too many vested interests at play here and that's not even conspiracy theory anymore. The, The entire system is based off petrochemicals, pharmaceuticals and banking. You know, so without those, when we take away the petrochemicals, we take away all the personal care and all the garbage and all that sort of crap and then we take away, if we give people optimal nutrition and we make them well, there goes the pharmaceutical industry. And when we enlighten people and help them to think clearly, they see the uh, financial system for what it is. And um, that's a scary thought for, for people who are in charge of of how we do things and even though we are in control and we vote with our dollar and and all that sort of stuff and I think we hold the politicians and hold the lawmakers teetering on the edge of the cliff as we sort of surround them, I don't think we realise that and, you know, it takes some big wake-up calls to actually get to that point where we feel comfortable questioning Um, but then a lot of people never feel comfortable so they have to see it become mainstream before they believe it or act on it. And that's where it gets really frustrating. And that's where hopefully um, the education system comes aboard. Like Emma and I, Emma, my partner who's a teacher and a dietitian, we're working on some stuff to try and get this in schools because we've had so many mums and so many teachers who are trying to pioneer this nutrition space in their school, but they're coming up against all these barriers and resistance from whoever, right? People with old ideas. So we're sort of trying to come up with a way that we can uh, sort of empower teachers out there or sort of I'm not sure what the right word is but certify if you will not that it's going to be a course or anything but like sort of certify teachers who can go out there and deliver this information I mean already we've seen such powerful feedback from people even just on the message of the little docker and the message of Mandy like we've been getting messages of little little girls saying oh i just want my vegetables you know and mums are messaging me on instagram every single hour it's just like i can't get her to shut up about veggies or gut bacteria now like it this is how we develop change it's going to be a grass-fed uh grass-fed hilarious it's going to be a grassroots movement both, mm. both by a <laughs> grassroots movement um from the ground up and we have to start it so yeah there's hope for sure but we've still got a long way to go
0: yeah absolutely but i think that you know if we look at the example of that sugar film there was a lot of people initially that were saying you know the only people that are going to go and watch this film is the choir you know people like you and me who are already well across (laughs) it you know how are we going to get it out to you know different socio-economic areas or communities or parts of Australia that don't have the knowledge that all of us like that are deep in the real food revolution have and then obviously getting it into schools i think can really show how it's quite interesting how it really is from the bottom up because it's actually the children that are learning that first and then yes. taking it back to mum and dad and it goes up the chain from there so Yeah, I think it's really exciting that you and Emma have that project. I I, I look forward to hearing more because, Mm. yeah, there's so much more that we can do when the change is encouraged from the school back into the home. So, yeah, keep us posted.
1: Yeah, we will. And Emma was pretty on top of this because she, I think, for her um, Masters or whatever she ended up doing for her um, last sort of, I don't know university terms because I never went to uni, but no. uh, whatever she did with her <laughs> postgraduate, all that sort of stuff, <laughs> was on family nutrition and looking at the fact that, or they pretty much discovered the fact that when the entire family is engaged in the nutritional decisions and aware of the nutritional decisions, then the outcomes are so much better. When the kids feel empowered to contribute their own ideas and contribute um, to food in the home, then the outcomes are so much better. We see children who are more likely to eat more vegetables and thus grow up to be healthy, happy, and hopefully more successful. So um, we really do need to. I feel like there's a general underestimation of children, and I remember feeling that when I was a child, and I and um, you know I even to an extent still feel it now. Uh, going to speak to a room full of mums and them knowing that I don't have children, (laughs) you know, it's sort of, you can see it, it does come up and that's fine. That's that's quite natural. But I think we need to stop underestimating kids because um, they're smart. They imitate, they learn through story. And when we engage them on those platforms or in those ways, uh, we can absolutely affect the way they behave and the way they think and the way they make decisions. So, yeah, we just need to be quite cognizant of of how we act and behave and how we sort of interact with them and and people know that. You know, that's not new age news but um, if we can do that with a nutritional element and be smart about that, then, of course, I think we're going to win. I remember when I was younger. Watching um, Dad eat like a yo-yo, he was—I can't remember what they called. I think they like little chocolate yo-yos or whatever they were. Um, but he wouldn't—he wouldn't let us eat them. But then, as soon as Dad was out the house, we'd like smash them because, because we saw Dad eating them. Because you know, Dad was like, "Well, you know, I don't want my kids to eat all their sugar and get fat." But he was eating them, you know. So there was this huge uh, dichotomy there that I think is probably one of the worst things that we can do if we're going to smoke or, or binge drink or, or binge eat processed food in front of our kids and then expect them to not do the same then we're kidding ourselves we need to become exemplary in our behavior when it comes to diet and lifestyle and kids are going to go to school and they're going to see what's in everyone else's lunchbox and they're probably going to find out what those foods taste like and that's fine if we can get them from eating 20% whole food to 50% whole food we're still on the way up and we're still moving towards a point where they'll be healthy um it's just going to take time and we've hopefully got enough time up our sleeve to reverse what's going on
0: yeah I think the role model angle is really important you know there's still too many parents if we kind of circle back to the flavoured milk conversation um too many parents are grabbing like a latte or an up and go because they're time poor. They, they really haven't prioritised their time properly to be truthful. Um, whereas, you know, the whole family could be having a nice piece of frittata with some veggies that has been pre-prepared for the week. So that doesn't take any more time in the morning, but of course it does require a little bit of foresight.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And, Vegetables for breakfast, I think, is the big one that catches people that are new to this space, like they can't wrap their head around vegetables for (laughs) breakfast when all they know is cereal, toast, up and go and, you know, coffee, essentially.
1: Yeah, and I guess that sort of change comes with challenging belief systems, which essentially is one of the most difficult things to do Mm -hmm. for humankind is to to challenge beliefs and change behaviour. But that's why we do what we do.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Any other learnings along the way or stats that you thought were really fascinating?
1: I think what David Wolfe talked about, I said, look, people people are getting sick. I'm like, what are we what's going on? I feel like we're so aware of health and nutrition now, but people are getting sicker. He's like, there's a bi-verification happening. The people who are healthy are getting healthier and healthier, and the people who are getting sicker are getting sicker and sicker. And it's almost like the Titanic, the, the the sinking ship is is the sickness ship, basically. And people are jumping ship now. They're trying to move from the the Titanic to a different boat that's not sinking. They're trying to shift their lifestyles and i think he sort of summarized it quite beautifully and you can watch the full interview on the on the youtube channel the, the same channel that the um little short report is on the docos on and he sort of summarized it in in the way that we need to start incentivizing health for people um for regular people. So obviously we have very obvious incentives. Hey, you probably might not get cancer. You might not get diabetes, you might not get heart disease, you might live an extra 20 years. But people don't see that because it's not immediate, it's not in front of their eyes. Whereas if we perhaps have tax incentives, if we have an education system that's on board, if we say, well, if you um are healthy and well, will give you a a bonus of some sort, then that's when people will take interest because the average person finds it very difficult to see these obvious benefits um, and they're stuck in inaction. They're stuck in old behaviours. I've seen this in my family. We, our family, by all means, is not the healthiest family. It's very much just my direct family that has come on board with this stuff, which I'm so grateful for. Um, So yeah, I don't know what to leave people with besides the fact that we need to start acting and behaving exemplary, exemplarily. I don't know what the right word is there. We need to become, um, we need to embody a healthy, healthy, holistic lifestyle that's going to enable us to live a long, healthy life. And when we do that, we I think we can trust that other people will come on board. I think facts tell, stories sell. Um, people don't want to hear about lactobacillus and, and gut health and all this different stuff. They just want to hear about how you did it and 25 kilos you lost. I just got an email yesterday from a lady who did the gut healing protocol and lost 52 kilos every year or something like that. And, you know, it's life-saving. She feels incredible, da 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 And I think about that sort of stuff. I just wrote that book and told a bit of a story in that book and, and shared some ideas and stuff and didn't coerce her, didn't coach her, and I think we maybe need to go back to that sort of gentle approach between each other but then have high expectations and high demands of those people in charge. Um, And we need to start complaining a little bit more. I I said it yesterday, I'm going to stop being polite. I'm sick of it. I'm I'm sick of beating around the bush. I'm not happy with, with who's running our country and how they're running it. So, yeah, get complaining.
2: yeah
0: everyone starts to speak up, then we can definitely create change. Thanks so much for being our leader in regards to this really, really important message. And yes, as always, thank you for joining the show and we look forward to hearing more about the changes that we can make in the current Australian childhood health crisis. Thank you, Kale
1: no worries um if people want to see the doc i don't know if you're going to do a little pre-roll it's just on um, youtube.com forward slash kales broccoli and they can watch it for free
0: awesome head to the show notes team make sure you do tune in and share with your loved ones so we can together change the way the world eats well let's start with us. love it <laughs>
2: <laughs> thanks for having me sir.
0: awesome chat to you soon bye see you mate Thank you so much for listening, team. Make sure you dive into the show notes over at thenaturalnutritionist.com.au forward slash
1: podcast.
0: Now, before you go, can I ask you a favor? I'd be so grateful if you would leave me a five-star review on iTunes. I personally read every review and comment and love hearing your aha moments and takeaways from each episode. Together, we can continue to spread the real food love.